0: start with something funny. I've told this story before, but I just thought I'd do it again because sometimes repetition can be a wonderful thing. I heard the story about two antennas who met on a roof and fell in love. The wedding wasn't much, but the reception was amazing. Come on. Sorry. All right. Why don't you stand to your feet today? I'll have you join us online. We're going to tune our antennas in to hear what God wants to say to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. I want everyone to repeat this loudly with me. Come on, everybody, online as well. All the way out in Hawaii. Aloha. All right, let's say it together. Everyone, you ready? This is the foundational passage that really defines what the whole book of Thessalonians is about. Let's read it together. People everywhere. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. God is telling us through the Apostle Paul that there's this church in Thessalonica that became the standard, the model. Last, or two weeks ago, I literally taught you how to be a model. I walked the runway and everything. We just had a little fun with it. But God is looking for people who will model authentic Christianity. When people talk about higher vision, it's not, I believe, hey, that's a place where there's a bunch of hypocrites over there or a bunch of religious people or a bunch of legalists. You know what I hope they say? Man, that place is filled with people who authentically love and follow Jesus Christ. That's what the Church of Thessalonica was. And in week two, we learned that we're not just to model authentic Christianity, but we're to model authentic Christian leadership. Because ultimately, we all lead. Leading is just, mean. it means that someone's following you. And all of us have children or people on the job or at the classroom or on the field, and we're leaders. People are following us, and so we want to model authentic leadership and authentic Christianity. So I want you to close your eyes today as we pray. Holy Spirit, we, we don't always feel it, but man, I feel you today. I just sense this presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God, what a wonderful thing. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to anoint Every word that's spoken. But not only the words that I speak, anoint our hearts, our minds, our spiritual antennas to receive the signal, the message. Holy Spirit, we need you today. Say this with me say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Now, just in your own way, lean in. Lean into God. Will you do that? Maybe you want to slip a hand up. Maybe you just want to meditate on a, a thought or a prayer. Holy Spirit, we make room for you today. Speak in this place in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. (laughs) You may be seated. It's going to be good. Church in Thessalonica, what was amazing about this city is it had a booming economy, but it also was a city of great moral corruption. And what I find interesting is that of all the places in the world where there's great evil, God raises up a church that is the model of what real authentic Christianity is all about. Sometimes we look in our world and we see all the evil around us and we think, can we really make a difference? Can we really be a light? But how many know the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound? And so we're in a season as a world and as a culture that we get to be the model, we get to be the example just like the church of Thessalonica. And we learned that we're to model things as Christians and we learned that we're to model things as leaders. And this week as Paul transitions into chapter three, what he's doing is he's kind of emphasizing both points about leadership and about Christianity. So we're gonna carry that on. I wanna begin now with, with 1 Thessalonians chapter three. Let's go to verse one. Finally, we could stand it no longer. When I read that, the first thing that comes to mind is Popeye, the sailor man. Toot-toot. I've had all I can stand and I can't. It's interesting. It kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? He says, Listen, we couldn't stand it any longer. We decided to stay alone in, in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. What he's saying there is he's saying, Listen, we didn't want to stay by ourselves in Athens. We wanted to have all of our leaders here, we wanted to have our team here, but we missed you so much that we sent Timothy to you. He said, he's our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to you to strengthen you and to what? You need to underline that. It's gonna be part of our point that we're gonna give you here, the first point. He said, we sent him to strengthen you to encourage you in your faith. Point number one, if you're taking notes, what God has called us to model is that we're to model encouragement. God is looking for leaders, He's looking for Christians to model encouragement. It's interesting because Paul sent Timothy to encourage. Can I tell you that God is an encourager? You may not know this, but the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, it says it this way, God encourages those who are discouraged. Anybody here ever been discouraged and then God came along and encouraged you? In fact, God is such an encourager that he sent his Holy Spirit. Here's what's interesting. The word encourage there in the, the Greek, as we look into the language that it was written in, it's a Greek word which means this. It means to come alongside someone and to support them in the response or action required. So they're about to do something, they're trying to accomplish something, and you come along, and it's not just a word you say, but it's a spirit of coming alongside and supporting them in the journey to have it happen. That's a Greek word, and it's the word parakleo. What's interesting is the same word parakleo that we see for encouragement, it's the same word Jesus uses when he speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit is gonna come and be your parakleo your advocate or your helper. Do you realize that God is such an encourager that he sent the Holy Spirit to be inside you so that you would have someone to support you in your journey. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So God's an encourager and God, because he's an encourager, he's looking for encouragers. Because there are times that we need encouragement. You know, I, when I'm working out, I work out with someone, a trainer that's there to help me. And, and one of the things that's interesting is when I'm working with that trainer, I do more reps, I lift more weight, I run farther and I run faster because someone is there to paraclee, to support, to encourage me. We need encouragement. I mean, you know, sometimes um, in life, we don't feel like encouraging. You know, today, as we dive into this idea of encouragement, that God wants us to model it, I started thinking about um, playing a little game today. We're going to play a like a TV show game. How many ever saw Jeopardy? All right, so let me have a little music. We're gonna, I want to ask a question today as we dive into encouragement. The question today is simply this for our special guest audience. What New Testament character was known more by his nickname than his real name? What New Testament character was known more for his nickname than his real name? Paul? Thomas? What was it? I can't hear you, I'm sorry. Barnabas? Bam! That's the answer. Come on, give her a big hand. We've got our... We got our studio audience winner behind door number one. No, not really, just kidding. Barnabas. What you may not know is Paul traveled with Barnabas and Barnabas, Barnabas, that was not his name. Barnabas' name was Joseph. But Barnabas means son of encouragement. The question is, is what would your nickname be? His was encourager. Maybe for some of us, our nickname would be Debbie Downer. (laughs) Have you ever met someone that they're just always seeing the, the lower side of life? Reminds me of this story I heard about a duck hunter, and he bought a special hunting dog. And they said, this is a special dog. He says, what does it do? And they said, you'll find out. And so he went out, took the dog with him, and he shot a duck. And when the duck fell on the water, the dog ran on the water. Picked the duck up and ran across the water and brought it back to him. He's like, this is amazing, I can't believe it. So he called his friend who happened to be just a downer, negative, you know, type of person. He said, I'm gonna bring him with me. So he brings him with him, the next day, he's sitting there next to his downer, negative friend and he shoots a duck. The dog jumps up, runs across the water, brings the duck back he looks at his friend and he says, did you notice anything strange about my dog? And the negative friend said, I sure did. He can't swim worth a lick. (laughs) Some of us, our nickname might be Gossiper. Some of us, our nickname might be Lazy. What I love about this passage and what I love about the New Testament is that Barnabas, his name was Encourager. And I think God is challenging us through this passage to ask the question: Is what is our name? What are we known for? What do we model? For some of us, we 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 need to model this idea. There's a song that came to my mind, and I thought about grabbing a guitar and playing this for you today. Throwing on some boots and a cowboy hat. It's an old, old song. Some of you sang it in school, and it went like this: Home, home on the range. Come on, I heard, have you ever heard of this song? Where the deer at the antelope play. Some of you are like, where's he going with this? <laughs> Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. I wonder if that's our nickname. I wonder if that's the phrase that people think of when they think of us. You know, when I'm around that person, that, when I'm with Trina, I never hear anything discouraging. See, God's saying, I'm looking for someone who will be like me, who will model what I've tried to model to you. I send my spirit to do it. I've had the leadership in Scripture do it because I'm looking for people who will encourage Makes me think of someone in our church. His name is Tony Hart. And what I love about Tony Hart, he's in a group that prays with me, is when you're around Tony, you always leave feeling better than when you talk to him the first time. Because you you feel better about life. You feel better about your future. Because he's just this encourager. He encourages people. I heard a statement, and I love it. It's simply this. Flatter me, and I might not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will never forget you. You see, the scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 10, it says, the words of the godly. Let me stop there, getting in the way. How many here want to be godly? Then the message is simply this, the words of the godly encourage many. See, God is saying in this passage, listen, I want you to be people who model encouragement because we live in a world that needs encouragement. How many know there are times in life we need to be encouraged? So number one, model encouragement. That's what we find in this passage. Here's the second thing we find. If you're taking notes, write this down, and that is that God wants us to model strength. Everybody say that with me. Model strength. Let's keep reading, and I'm not going to get to every part of this chapter because it's too long, but let's go to the next part. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to jump in where we were reading. He said, we sent him to you to what? Strengthen. Strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith. So he said, we sent him to strengthen you, and then he goes on to say after that, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would come. And they did, as you well know. That is why, when I couldn't bear it any longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. Because I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Paul warns and he says, listen, I I tried to tell you that troubles are going to come your way. I tried to tell you that you're going to face moments where you're going to suffer. In fact, Paul, Paul understood suffering. Now, sometimes we look at Paul and we think, man, I would love to have that kind of experience. I mean, Paul was called out by God. I mean, he got a call. God shows up. He goes blind, knocks him on the ground. He speaks to him with an audible voice. He tells him, Get up. He goes into the city. He heals him of his blindness. He fills him with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I've sent you to the Gentiles. But we stop at that point of the calling and we forget the second part. Because here's the second part of the calling God says, I've called you to the Gentiles. And I'm going to show you how much you must suffer for my name. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. I really like the first part of the message, but this part isn't quite as exciting. You're saying that sometimes we have to suffer. Paul was called to suffer. But we live in a culture, we love the health and wealth gospel. We love that, that the, the verses like, God says, I know the thoughts towards I have, that, that I have towards you. Thoughts of a hope and thoughts of a future. Thoughts to prosper you and not harm you. Man, I love that verse. I love the verse that says, I can do all things. I love the, the verse that says that God will bless us so that we can be a blessing. Like he said to Abraham. And yes, God wants to bless you. And yes, God has a calling for you. But Jesus, in his own words, said in in John chapter 16, he said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You see, some of the things we need to understand is that in life we will go through stuff. You're going to have pain. In fact, that's why Paul said... I want you to model strength. He says, here's the thing. I sent Timothy to strengthen you. Now, here's what the word strength means. In the Greek, it means to establish or to make more firm. So Paul said, I I sent Timothy to help make you firm and strong. And then he explains how our strength is, is, is the possibility or the way that our strength can be broken down. He says, because I was afraid you would be shaken. And the word shaken in the Greek is this word. It means to disturb. It means to show submission or fear to give up your belief. So Paul says, listen, I want you to stand strong. So I sent Timothy to strengthen you. But here's the thing. I'm I'm worried that you're going to be shaken. I'm worried that you're going to submit to fear and you're going to give up on your faith, on your believing what you think you believe and what you say you believe. And here's how. He said, you're going to be shaken by your troubles. The word trouble there in the Greek is an interesting word. It means this. It means affliction. It means distress. And here's the idea. The idea is that through pressure, an an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. So basically, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm worried that because of the pressure of your trial... And it can affect you physically, it can affect you financially, it can affect you relationally. But because of the pressure of your trial, you're going to be beat into submission to fear and give up and quit believing. I'll explain it for you. You know, back in the day when we were younger, Wayman and Brian and I didn't always get along. I know we're pastor's kids and I know, you know, sometimes you think, you know, pastor's kids, it was a godly home, but I mean, you know, that with kids, godly can go to goofy really fast. Come on now. And so there were times where we would fight and I'll never forget one time Wayman pinned me to the floor because it was, you know, he's bigger than me back then. He was three and a half years older than me because he's really old and, um, uh, and he's taller than me. You know, he's 6'2". Um, Brian's 6'2". They're bigger than me, but I was younger. He pinned me to the ground and he did one of those loogie drops. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. <laughs> Need to sure you remind him of that when he's back next weekend. But one of the things we do when we wrestle is we get each other and try to put each other into a, a, a certain hold and, you know, in fact, you see it in wrestling, where they'll wrestle someone and they'll get them in a hold, and that hold applies pressure to the arm or to the leg to the point where the person who's in the hold feels so much pressure and pain that they're afraid their arm is going to snap or their leg is going to break. And so, because of the pressure, they tap out and they quit. You may not know this, but he said it later on. He said, I was worried that the tempter, Satan, let me tell you something. Satan wants to apply pressure. He wants to destroy you. In fact, remember when he went to God and he said, hey, you know, and God said, look at my servant Job. He said, well, yeah, Job loves you because you bless him. But if you didn't bless him and he went through a trial, if you let me bring some trials in his life, then he would defy you, then he would turn on you. And so God said, okay, go ahead. And he brought pressure. And Job never backed down. He still honored and he still called out to God. And I want to tell you, the devil is out there. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And here's what he tries to do. He tries to, to take that divorce. He tries to take that loss of your job. He tries to take that conflict in your family. He tries to take that chronic sickness that you haven't been healed of. He tries to bring that pressure in your life and he tries to use that pressure to, to cause you to tap out, to give up, to not stand firm, to say, I, just, I don't know if I believe anymore. And Paul says, listen, I want you to model encouragement, but I want you to model strength. I want you to stand strong. And begin to think why is that so important? Why does he say, stand strong? Why are we to model strength? And as you keep reading in the passage, I think the Lord showed me the answer to that, or one of the answers. If you continue reading in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, here's what it says. It says, But now Timothy has just returned. So he sent Timothy there to find out if they'd given up, because they'd gone through trials, they'd gone through persecution in Thessalonica. If you were a Christian, you were persecuted. He said he brings us good news about your faith and your love. We're so excited because we got some good news. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So he said, first of all, we're excited. And the good news is that you still love us. We still love you. You understand that. And there's still relationship here. But then he said, also, here's what really is exciting. Because we have been greatly encouraged, and we're going to come back to that, in the midst of our troubles and our suffering. This good news The fact that you stood strong, it encouraged us because we're going through pressure. The enemy's coming at us. We feel like giving up. The apostle. And then he goes on to say, he says, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith, we've been encouraged to not give up because you stayed strong, because you modeled strength. He said, it gives us, what's the next word? Newer. You know what's cool about that word is it means this it means to be revived now. So we've been revived, we've been encouraged, we've been refreshed to know that you are standing firm in your love for the Lord. How we thank God for you because you have been a great joy as we enter God's presence and then Paul goes on in the last few verses to pray a special prayer over them to thank God for them and to continue to encourage them to stay strong and to love one another what's really cool is Paul basically says listen I wanted to give up I wanted to quit but because you stood strong because what you don't know is that you think you're standing strong it's just about you you see, here's the message. I mean, you know, we all, you know, we like to go to movies. We like to see, you know, amazing stories. You know, some of us, how many of you have ever gone to the movies and you bought tickets and, and spent $1,000 for popcorn? <laughs> or maybe you stayed home and watched it on Netflix, but you watch a story that is about someone who faced such adversity and yet they made it through. They stood strong. They didn't quit. And you leave with this good feeling, right? Because when someone stands strong, it reminds me of the, let me say it this way, of the movie Unbroken. And this man who was captured by the Japanese during the, the war, and he was taken to a, a prison camp and, and at one point they were at this place where there was train tracks and so they made him go out and grab this piece of wood and hold it in the rain. He was skinny, he wasn't that strong, but they made him hold it and they're like, if you drop it, That's it. And he stood there and he kept holding it. They were trying to break him, but he wouldn't be broken. That's the title of the movie. And what was crazy is that by him holding that piece of wood above his head and not giving up, not only did he earn the respect of those who were torturing him, but it caused everyone in his camp to stand up and stay strong. The point of this story is that it's not just about you. And if we're not careful, we live life thinking it's just about us. It's just about our kids. It's just about our finances. It's just about our legacy. Listen, God has positioned you. And even though you're going through a trial, when you model encouragement, but here's the thing, when you model strength, there are people that are watching you that need to see you stand. There are children. There are coworkers. There are students. There are parents. That need to see you stand strong because the way that they're going to be encouraged, the way that they're going to receive the strength to keep moving on, is because you modeled strength. People need to see that when a trial comes your way, that it's not, woe is me. That when a trial comes your way and that you're feeling the pressure, it's like, well, I knew that, that church was like that. What they need to see is someone who says, I don't get it, I don't understand it all, but greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. They need to see somebody that's holding on and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror because I'm standing strong. As we bring this to a close, that passage where Paul says, we've been encouraged. We've got new life. We've got a second wind because of you. I gotta tell you as a pastor, some of the things that give me the most energy and the most strength is when I see you stand strong. When I see you not give up. God says, I'm looking for people who will model strength and I'm looking for people who will model encouragement. When I think of encouragement, it makes me think of this boomerang. Now, as soon as I held this in my hand, some of you are like, whoa, is he going to throw that thing? <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to throw it because it's a left-handed. I don't know if you know, but they're right-handed and left-handed boomerangs. The ridges and the way it's cut. In Australia, the aborigines there are known for being able to handle a boomerang. And what they're able to do, here's what's amazing about a boomerang, is they can take this piece of wood and they can chuck it, they can throw it 50 yards. And as it reaches its point, it begins to turn and it ends up flying and coming right back to them. In fact, I heard a funny story or a joke about this aborigine that was given a brand new boomerang. The problem was is that he had trouble throwing his away. you'll get it in a little bit when you you do encouragement is like a boomerang because it always comes back Paul he was worried about these followers of Christ and so what did he do he sent encouragement But I'm gonna tell you, when you send encouragement, it's like a boomerang because it always comes back. And the next thing we know is that Paul is saying, wow, hallelujah, I'm feeling strong, I have new life, I have a second wind, I have been encouraged, you see. Maybe you need to find someone who needs encouragement and let it fly. Maybe you need to send encouragement out because you need to get ready because it's going to come back to you. Jesus said, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, it will be measured to you again. Why am I standing here encouraging you? Well, some of you want to give up. Some of you are discouraged and the pressure is so strong. You feel like that it's, it's literally tearing you apart and so you're worried and you're afraid and you want to give up. So I'm standing here today to encourage you. But I got to tell you, if you're going to walk in the strength and the encouragement you need, then you've got to learn carry a boomerang you've got to learn to be an encourager because maybe the reason you haven't been as is because you haven't sent anything out and how many know if you don't send anything out nothing's going to come back so God's saying I want to raise up a, a church a group of people who know how to give encouragement who know how to stand strong